Bibles this morning and turn to Jude, the book of Jude. Book of Jude, and we're going to start reading from verse 17. It says, But beloved, remember ye the words which are spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Saviour be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Let's just open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we can come once again uh, as a body of believers to sit under the the teaching of your word. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts this morning through this passage, that Lord, you would uh, use me, you would enable me through the Spirit, you give me wisdom and guidance as I speak. pray it would be your words and your thoughts, and that Lord, you take it and apply it to each of our hearts this morning. May we be refreshed and blessed through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we were last in the book of Jude, which was an awful long time ago, it was way back in November, when we were last in the book of Jude, we began to look at Jude's conclusion. So we started looking at these verses, verse 17 through to 25. Um, We're looking at his conclusion, and we noted that uh, he's changed his focus a bit in verse 17 and onwards. In the first 16 verses, Jude's focus was upon um, pointing out to us the false teachers and the apostates and you know showing us their their you know their false ways their false teaching um, you know what they are like and what they get up to he's been pointing these men out you know shining the spotlight upon these men but in verse 17 his focus changes a bit so that now what he is doing is he's providing us with some instruction as to how we are to go about combating these false teachers you see back in verse 1 uh, sorry about verse 3 we read this, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So way back there in verse 3, he'd said that he, the reason he was writing was to exhort us to earnestly contend for the faith. And so now in verse 17 and onwards, he tells us how we go about doing this. How do we go about standing upon, the, how do we stand up For the faith. And so we find that he gives us a series of instructions here. And we looked at the first of these last time. We saw that in verse 17 through to 19. We saw that he instructs us to remember the revealed word of God. Okay, and he talks about those who gave us the word, the apostles, what they said and why they said it. Okay, and so that's what we looked at last time. And that was a long time ago, but hopefully it jogs your memory. This morning now we want to move on and look at the second of these instructions and that instruction is that we are to build our christian life we are to build our christian life you see the christian life never can stand still you know the moment it stands still it goes backwards 
can't stand still. You know, it's like a building. You know, a building that's left to itself will over time fall apart. It begins to degrade. If someone's not there caring for it, maintaining it, it slowly becomes overgrown and it slowly falls apart. And the same is true with the Christian life. You know, we must continually maintain or build our Christian life. The Christian life is one of continual spiritual growth, continual maintenance. And so here in these two verses, Jude tells us how it is that we are to go about building or maintaining the Christian life. And first of all, he instructs us here in verse 20 to build ourselves upon our most holy faith. Look in verse 20. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith in the Holy Ghost. So the first thing that we are instructed to do here is to build upon our most holy faith. In other words, our most holy faith is the foundation. It's, the, it's, it's what we are to build our Christian lives upon. But what exactly does he mean here by most holy faith? Well, he's not talking about the faith that you and I have exercised in Christ at salvation. He's not talking about my own personal faith and your own personal faith, that somehow that's the foundation we are to build upon. You know, if that was the case, it would be a very unreliable foundation. But rather, instead, what he's talking about here is that he's talking about the faith that he's spoken about back in verse 3, okay, which we read before, but at the end of verse 3 there it says, and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We read here that we are to contend for the faith which is delivered unto the saints. And when we looked at this verse, we saw that the faith here is talking about the, the body of doctrine which has been delivered unto the church. Okay, the body of doctrine which has been delivered unto us as believers. In other words, it's the word of God. It's the word of God that is to be our foundation. It's the word of God where the truth is contained that you and I are to build upon. And so the question then is, how do we build ourselves upon this most holy faith? How do we build ourselves upon the truths of God's word? You know, well, although Jude here doesn't tell us, doesn't spell it out for us, the answer is clear. You and I build ourselves upon our most holy faith by spending time reading it and meditating upon God's word. You know, as we get to know and understand God's, words, God's word more, you and I are strengthened and built up. It's through spending time in God's word. Go to Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. <clears throat> Acts 20 verse 32, it says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. It says that the word of his grace is able to build us up. See, the word of God is able to build us up. It's the word of God that builds you and I in the faith, that strengthens us. The point is God's word is central to our spiritual growth. You and I cannot hope to grow spiritually to become more like Christ without spending time in the word. Can't hope to, to maintain our Christian life and mature spiritually without spending time in the Word. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. A verse we probably know well, but it's a, a great verse concerning this. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. 
It says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now in 2 Corinthians 3, we're told clearly that that spiritual growth takes place as we gaze into the Word. As you and I gaze into God's Word, we behold His glory. We see the attributes of God. We see what God is really like. We see His holiness. We see His righteousness. And we see ourselves in contrast how sinful we really are as we gaze into the Word. You know, as we do that, the Spirit then changes us from glory to glory. The Spirit does the work. It takes the Word of God and it builds us up. It changes us to be more like Him. See, this is how the Word of God does the building. As you and I spend time in the Word, the Spirit takes the Word and builds us up spiritually to become mature and stronger in the faith. Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is another classic passage talking about this. You know, in the second verse there, it says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we renew our minds? By spending time in the Word of God. That's how we make our minds new. The more we spend time with Him, the more our minds are renewed, the more we are made like Christ. You see, beloved, there are no shortcuts to spiritually. There are no shortcuts to maintaining our Christian life. If you and I are going to be strong in the faith, if we're going to stand for the faith and stand against the apostates, that's Jude's whole purpose here, whole focus. If we're going to do that, then you and I must be built upon our holy faith, built upon the Word of God. must know the truth. And so we must grow in our knowledge of God's Word and allow the Spirit to change us into His image. And you know, this means spending time with Him daily. And I know we all know this, we've heard it before. But that's what's so important about personal devotions. It's about you and I spending time daily with Him so the Spirit can change us to be more like Christ. You know, this means making Him a priority. Give Him part of our day, not the dregs. You know, I know we're all guilty of this at times. I am. Where, you know, we get so busy with the things of life that we give the Lord the dregs. But the Lord should have the best part. He should have the priority in our lives, the priority each day. You know, the psalmist understood the priority of spending time in God's Word. Just go to Psalm 1, just quickly. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In verse 3, it talks about the fact that those who delight in the law, spend time with God and his word, are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. They are strong spiritually. That's the point. Well, if we're going to be strong spiritually, built up in this Christian faith, we must spend time in the word of God, building upon this foundation, our most holy faith. Secondly, here we're told that we are also to be praying in the Holy Ghost. Go back with us to Jude, verse 20. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. In the second other verse, here we're told that not only are we to be building upon the, the foundation, our most holy faith, but we are also to be praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Now, if our most holy faith is the foundation, praying or prayer is the power for building this Christian life. The Word of God and prayer go hand in hand when it comes to our spiritual growth. You can't, you can't separate the two. You can't just spend time in God's Word and hope to grow spiritually without prayer. You can't just spend time in prayer and hope to grow without God's Word. We need both. Wearsby in his commentary wrote this, if, we, if all we do is read and study the Bible, we will have a great deal of light but not much power. However, if we concentrate on prayer or the Bible, we may be guilty of zeal without knowledge. You see, both are essential. You can't, we can't grow spiritually without having both. can't separate the two. We must time in God's Word, but also we must spend time in prayer speaking to the Lord. And notice here that this prayer is more than just a ritualistic prayer. You know, this is not just, you know, some ritualistic prayer that we say every day. This is to be prayer, it says, in the Holy Ghost. Prayer in the Holy Ghost. So what does this phrase mean? What does it mean to be praying in the Holy Ghost? Well, simply what Jude is speaking about here is he's talking about praying according to the leading of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. Praying according to the leading of the Spirit. You see, this is in complete contrast to the apostates in verse 19. Just read verse 19 with me again. It says, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. You see, the apostates, they don't have the Spirit dwelling within. And so the apostates, their prayer is fleshly. Their prayer is led of themselves. Their prayer is without power because they have not the Spirit dwelling within. But in contrast, all true believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit at salvation. All of us have the Holy Spirit within if we know Christ as our Savior. And so when we pray, we are to pray according to the Spirit's leading. You know, prayer in the Spirit is prayer which comes from a heart that is indwelt, controlled and illuminated by the Spirit. It comes from a life that is walking in sweet fellowship with the Lord. It's a petition, praise and thanksgiving which is led by the Spirit. Just turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 26. It says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirits, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, Romans 8 explains the, the leading of the Spirit well when it comes to prayer. Now here we read that the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Makes intercession on our behalf. You see, by ourselves, as the verse says, you and I don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray right. We don't know what to pray for or the words to use. But the Spirit which dwells within makes intercession for us. The Spirit guides you and I. You see, as you and I are surrendered to the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, walking in sweet fellowship with the Lord, as we then pray in the Spirit as He leads, you and I will see our prayers answered. Why? Because as we pray led by the Spirit, we will pray in accordance with God's will. That's what 1 John tells us, isn't it? 1 John chapter 5. 
1 John 5 and verse 14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. It says that if we ask according to His will, He heareth us, and He will answer that prayer. God answers prayer when it's prayed according to His will. How do we pray according to His will? By allowing the Spirit to lead. By you know, being surrendered to the Spirit and the Spirit leading us as we pray. Now, prayer is such a wonderful treasure for us as believers. It's a wonderful, glorious treasure that we have. And to know that the Spirit is within, leading and guiding us as we pray, is a marvelous thing. You know, how often do we neglect prayer? How often is prayer the aspect of the Christian life that suffers? You know, we spend time in our devotions, but prayer gets pushed to the side. How often is prayer neglected by us as believers? You know, Jude understood the importance of spending time in prayer, spending time in spirit-led prayer. That's why he says this here. That's why he instructs us to be praying in the Holy Ghost, because he understood the importance of it. Both spending time in God's Word and in spirit-led prayer are essential for building this Christian life must not neglect the privilege of prayer. We need to spend time daily with the Lord, not only in His Word, but also on our knees, communing with Him. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, Pray without sin. You know, Paul sums it up, doesn't he? He says, Be continually in prayer, continually in communion with the Lord. You know, it's important for us as individuals to be continually in prayer, but it's also important as a church to be in prayer. You know, that's why we have a midweek prayer meeting, isn't it? It's not just because we want to fill up the midweek and we want to drag everyone out again. We want to have another night. It's because we know how essential it is to pray as a church. That's the importance of prayer meeting. That's why we have that midweek meeting. It's so we can come together for prayer. That's the focus of that night. It's prayer. Yes, we have a you know, devotion at the start. We have a, a, teaching, a teaching time of some sort from God's Word. But the focus of the night is the prayer. At the end, that's why we come together. You know, a church that prays together has been said to stay together. That's true. Because just like as individuals we need to pray to be built up, the church needs to pray to be built up as well. We not only need the teaching of God's Word, but we need to be praying together as a church. It is the power, as I said. It's the power. We must not neglect it as individuals or as a church. We must constantly be in prayer led by the Spirit. And further, we see also here that he tells us we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. Look in verse 21. It says, Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So further here, he tells us that we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. Now let me be clear, this phrase here has nothing to do with keeping ourselves saved has nothing to do with that. You know, Judah's already told us back in verse 1 that we are preserved in Jesus Christ. We are preserved or kept by His power, as Peter says. It's got nothing to do with us. We don't keep ourselves saved. We don't do anything to keep ourselves on the way to heaven. We have no part in that. It's all of God. And so this verse is not saying, this phrase is not saying that we must keep ourselves in God's love because if we don't, God will stop loving us and we'll lose our salvation. That's not what it's saying. 
So what then does it mean? Well, Jude is simply instructing you and I to keep ourselves in the light of God's love. Let me put it like this, you know, you know, a doctor might instruct someone because they've got a skin condition or whatever to get more sunlight. And so the doctor might say, keep yourselves in the sunshine. Keep yourselves in the light. That's the point here. You and I are to make a conscious effort to keep ourselves in the light of his love, in the enjoyment of God's love. Now this passage is very similar to the Lord's words in John 15. Turn over there, John chapter 15 and verse 9. John 15 and verse 9, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. You know, Christ here instructing his disciples, he says, Continue ye in my love. Abide in my love. It's the same idea. You know, in both these passages, we bear the responsibility for abiding in his love. We bear the responsibility. We are to keep ourselves or continue in the sphere where the love of God blesses us. I think there's a good example or a good understanding of this in the parable of the prodigal son, Luke 15. I'm going to turn there, but, you know, the prodigal son, you know, he took his inheritance and he ran away to a faraway land and he squandered his inheritance. You know, lived in sin, lived as he pleased. You know, while he was away, the father never stopped loving him, did he? The father still loved the son. The father longed for the son to come home. We know that from when he came back. He didn't stop loving him. But you know, the son, while he was away, had removed himself from the place where he enjoyed the benefits and the blessings of his father's love. While he was away, he wasn't enjoying his father's love. He wasn't benefiting from his father's love. And the same is true with us and God. You know, he never stops loving us. That love doesn't stop. That love doesn't go away. But if you and I do not consciously keep ourselves in his love, we will find ourselves in a place where we're no longer enjoying the benefits of his love, enjoying the blessings of his love. And so the, the question then must be, how do we keep ourselves in the love of God? How do we do this? Well, our Lord tells us in John 15 and verse 10, the very next verse there, he says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If keep my commandments, ye abide in my love. You see, obedience to the Lord is how you and I keep ourselves in the love of God. To abide in the realm of his love under the blessings and the benefits that come with it, you and I must live in obedience to God's word. Sin and disobedience gets us out of the sunshine of God's love. It hinders our relationship with the Lord and so we're no longer enjoying those benefits. We're away from fellowship. He still loves us. That hasn't changed. But we're not enjoying the benefits or the blessings of his love. You see, obedience to his word, obedience to the commandments of God is how you and I keep ourselves in his love. When, we're, when we are obeying God, you and I are walking in sweet fellowship with him. And we are experiencing the full blessings, the full benefits of his love. And this is what Jude is telling us here. Is he's saying, remember God's love for you. Consciously live each day in obedience to him so you enjoy the benefits of that love. That's really what he's instructing us to do. He's saying, live in obedience to God. 
so you enjoy the benefits of God's love, the blessings of God's love. And fourthly here, we're instructed now to be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 21 again. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Lastly, we're told by Jude that as believers, we must keep our eyes looking up. Keep our eyes heavenward. Focusing on that which is ahead. The word translated looking here where it says, um, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That word looking denotes an attitude of eager expectation. Eager expectation. It's a readiness to welcome that which is awaited to return. It describes the attitude of life that is motivated by the promise of the Lord's return. It's looking up, focusing on Him and being motivated by that return. Eager anticipation of His return. You know, the apostates that Judas spent so much time talking about, the apostates, they can only look forward to judgment when Christ comes. When Christ comes again, that's what's awaiting them because the apostates are not saved as we've talked about. And what's coming for them is judgments. But you know, thus who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, we are looking forward to mercy. We are looking up, looking with eager anticipation to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life. Now, we've already experienced His mercy at salvation. Yes, we've experienced His mercy greatly at salvation. And we already experienced eternal life. It's our possession right now. We've talked about that before. But when he comes again, we will experience fully his mercy. And we will experience fully the blessings of eternal life. You see, in his mercy, he will come again and he will take us home to be with him for all eternity. You know, this is our hope as believers. This is hope. This is our eager anticipation, our expectation. We're looking for his return and the mercy and eternal life that he brings. You know, Titus 2 verse 13 says, Looking for blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we are looking for. That's where our eyes are to be focused as believers. Our eyes are to be focused heavenward, focused on Him and on His return. And you know, the reason that we are instructed here to keep our eyes looking heavenward, our eyes looking for that blessed hope, is because that focus, when we focus on Him, when we focus on that hope, it motivates you and I in this Christian life. It motivates us. One commentator said this, he said, such a hope keeps present realities in true perspective. It will keep the faithful from evil by adjusting their sense of value, fixing their attention upon the right things and filling them with joyful hope. You see, that is the reality as believers. When you and I are focused on Him, when we're looking for that blessed hope, it keeps our focus in the right place. We're not looking at what are we? We're not looking at the things of this life. We're not being distracted. We've got our eyes on Him. And so our focus is in the right place. And so then it encourages us, it motivates us in the Christian life. Let's just look at a few verses. First John chapter 3. First John 3 and verse 3. It says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You see, this hope, this hope that we have in Christ of His return, of the salvation that is in Him, 
This hope motivates you and I to live a pure, holy life. It motivates us to live holy before Him. Knowing that Christ could come back at any moment motivates us to live a holy life, to live pure before Him. Hebrews 6 verse 19 tells us that this hope is like an anchor. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6 verse 19, it says, Which we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that which within, uh, sorry, that within the veil. Again, this hope that we have in Christ, what He has done for us already and what He is doing for us presently, what He will do in the future, this hope in Christ is like an anchor. It's an anchor that you and I hold on to in the storms of life. It gives us strength, doesn't it? When you and I get our focus off him, when we get our focus off this hope, that's when we get discouraged, isn't it? That's when we get battered by the storms of life. When we are focused on him, our hope, looking for that blessed hope, you and I are holding firm to that anchor. That's holding fast. The Lord Jesus Christ encourages us when those trials and troubles come. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, it describes this hope as a helmet that protects us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for and helmets the hope of salvation. Once again, this hope here is now described as a helmet protects us, protects us in this Christian life. He says, Believers, you and I must keep our eyes heavenly, heavenward, focused on Christ, focused on Him and on His return, looking for that blessed hope. Because as you and I do, it motivates you and I in this Christian to live pure, to live holy. It holds fast, gives us strength, and it protects us. This hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I said at the start, the Christian life is one of constant building, constant maintenance, constant spiritual growth. And Jude gives to us here four instructions to follow if we are going to grow spiritually, if we're going to stand fast in the faith. He told us that we must constantly be in the Word of God, building upon our most holy faith. We also need to be praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the spirits, led by the spirits. We must also seek to walk in obedience so that we might abide in the light of His love. And then finally, we must keep our eyes focused on Him, looking for that blessed hope. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the instruction this morning for us as believers. Lord, concerning our Christian life, and indeed, Lord, it is a life of constant maintenance, constant spiritual growth. And Lord, we must indeed keep our, our eyes on you, keep focused in your word, keep in prayer, and Lord, to live obedient Christian lives for you. Lord, we pray you help us remember these truths as we depart from this place. May we focus upon these things this week. May we be in your word and in prayer each day. And may you help us to grow spiritually, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's